This is News Talk 980 CKNW. 9.06 on this Sunday morning. I'm not afraid to admit this next topic is one of my favorite ones. Even though it's not the most exciting, you might have your eyes glaze over a bit. But it is also, I think, one of the most important because it is about the way we elect people, our representatives and the people we send to various offices to represent us and hopefully represent us well. And B.C. has unveiled the framework for what will make up the electoral reform referendum. And there are still many questions about what the question will be. Will there be more than one and uh, what have you? Well, Max Cameron is the director at the Center for the Study of Democratic Institutions at UBC, and he joins us on the line. Max, great to have you back on the show. Great to be on the show, Jill. Thanks for having me. Uh, what is your uh, reaction so far to what we know about uh, the framework for what's going to get us to this electoral reform referendum? Well, like you, I find this a very interesting topic, and I think the news here uh, is, A, that uh, we're going to have a referendum. It'll be a, a mail-in referendum, uh, and it looks as if the question might not be just a yes-no kind of question, but uh, we might have an opportunity to rank our preference across a number of different electoral systems. And uh, all of this is going to happen over the course of the next year, so we've got... Uh, a little bit of time to think about and to try to engage the public in a, in a conversation about what different electoral systems might mean for our politics. Uh, because that seems like a pretty hefty bill. Not only are you going to have to answer this referendum question, but you're going to have to, if you're not already, educate yourself on what these systems, and in some cases they can come across as very complicated systems, what they mean and how they work. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, and so uh, the process of public consultation is going to be really important, but it is an opportunity, I think, from, a, from the perspective of our democratic politics for us to engage with the system and to think about these kinds of issues. And I think that could be quite positive. There's often um, the debates can't be technical, and, 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 uh, but, but I think at the end of the day, um, the, the, the issues can be presented in a way that is clear. People are interested in the systems and want to inform themselves. They're provided with the material. They can reach reasonable uh, judgments about the um, options in front of them. And the Citizens' Assembly of BC that was held now over a decade ago did precisely that. So one place to begin the conversation would be to go back and look at what the Citizens' Assembly actually recommended. Uh, exactly. I think a refresher on that uh, would be good. Uh, we have had two previous votes fail. What do you think was, was it the threshold was too high or people legitimately or truthfully wanted to keep the system we have in place? Yeah, I think that in, when you, it, it, to, to me, I, I resist a little bit the notion that the first one failed. We got 57% of the public supporting uh, the single transferable vote system. Uh, but the threshold was set very high. It was set at 60% of the uh, general public and 60% of the ridings in the province. And, uh, you know, I understand that, I understand the intention behind that, which I, I think was to try to ensure that there was a very deep consensus around uh, change before changing the system. Um, but I'm not sure it was particularly democratic because uh, effectively it meant that 40% of the public or 40% of the ridings uh, could actually stop change, even though a majority wanted it. So I think the fact that this referendum is going to be a 50% plus one vote, um, you know, is good. Now, we, we didn't even get there on the second referendum. So again, it's going to matter a lot 
whether people are interested, uh, it'd be good to have a substantial turnout, and it would be good uh, for people to be involved in the process leading up to the referendum. Uh, on a federal level, that certainly didn't happen. We saw a, a, a frustrated, I suppose you could say, Prime Minister say there was no consensus and that promise went away. Uh, are you concerned at all that we might see something similar on a provincial level? Yeah, well, I think what happened at the federal level really was a train wreck. Uh, we had a, a real difficulties, first of all, getting the committee going and figuring out its composition. It then did really excellent work and came up with good recommendations that actually would be a nice place for us to begin the conversation in B.C. But then, at the same time, they held a series of town halls, and then at the end of that process, the government said, well, we don't see a consensus. But the truth is, anyone who thinks that you're going to find a consensus by holding a bunch of town halls doesn't really understand the process or really doesn't care to understand it. This is not how you build a consensus around uh, uh, an alternative to the existing uh, electoral system. And so I am concerned that in B.C. we we want to avoid something like that. I think it's really important to have a well-structured, meaningful process of public deliberation. One of the ideas that uh, I would suggest that we look at, this has been practiced in Oregon and many other U.S. states, is citizens' juries, where in every riding we could convene citizens to get together and to deliberate about the alternatives, to inform themselves, to look at the different models, um, to think them through, come up with a recommendation, maybe interview witnesses and experts, and uh, then make a proposal and and present it in public. And what the findings of the citizen's jury could then um, could be packaged with the ballot materials and sent out at the time of the election. And it wouldn't necessarily be that they would tell you how to vote, but they would say, here are the pros and cons of all of the systems as we see it. So it's not politicians telling you how to vote. It's your fellow citizens. It's people in your community who have thought this through and have come to a decision. And then I, I, I just think that's a, a wonderful way of engaging the public and making the debate less partisan. Mm. Uh, what do you think about the mail-in ballot to, rather than, say, tying it to the civic election? Yeah, I don't particularly have a problem. I, mean, I kind of like the idea of tying it to the civic election just because that could increase voter turnout if people feel there's more at stake. On the other hand, uh, I see nothing wrong with having a mail-in ballot, and I guess the decision was really made um, on administrative grounds, that is, you know, that the voter lists that are used for the for the municipal elections are not the same as the provincial voter list, and so it's actually, there's no savings in trying to do them simultaneously. Uh, the mail-in ballot, to me, is, is just fine. I, I really don't have a problem with it. And how important do you think the wording of the question is? Because I do recall the last time when it was on a ballot after the vote, there was some follow people saying they didn't really understand the question. And in some cases, I think people saying they may have voted uh, the wrong way because they were confused by the question. Yeah, what's really interesting about the proposal in the legislation that was just introduced is that it suggests that we could be given the option of ranking different systems. So the challenge, I think, is often that um, probably the single most popular system would be the status quo. That's my guess, just looking at public opinion results. And, but then there's still a majority that want change. The reason why there isn't a single system that dominates the status quo is that the advocates of change are divided among themselves as to what would be their preferred alternative. So what we might, if we have a ranked ballot, then it might be possible to avoid the problem of having uh, a lack of coordination on the on the alternative. So if we if we rank our votes, we might say, well, I'd like you know 
first of all, I prefer first past the post, but then if I have to have change, here's the proportional system I would like, or I want a proportional system, and here's my ranking of them, and then my last choice would be the status quo. And if you've structured that ballot properly, I think you could actually get at what is truly the democratic choice. But again, you're absolutely right. The alternatives have to be clear to people. So if we say one option is the single transferable vote system, another is the uh, multi-member um, uh, proportional system, uh, and another option is first past the post, and maybe there's a fourth or fifth option. Those all have to be spelled out really clearly, and that's why I think the ballot should probably be accompanied by materials that give people not only information about what those choices are, but some sense of what the pros and cons are, so that at least if people study the material, they should be able to figure out what they think is right for themselves in the province. Mm-hmm. I guess the irony there is that voting system, that using a voting system that is almost one of those to which we're voting. Yeah, it's the ranked ballot system. It's actually what I think uh, Justin Trudeau wanted for Canada and didn't get through the process that uh, he ultimately uh, threw a monkey wrench into. Um, it's not actually a proportional system. It's not a system of proportional representation, but it is a system that trying to get at a weighing of preferences. And I think it's actually not a bad thing to do. Uh, is there a preferred system or is there a system you think works best? Is that it or, or is there another system? Sorry, I don't understand the question. Sorry, as far as if we were going to change the way we vote, is there a preferred, do you have a preferred system? Well, yeah, I, I, I am troubled by our current electoral system because the fundamental problem with it is that the percentage of the popular vote that parties get doesn't look very much like the percentage of the seats that they get in the legislature. And the most clear example of that in the last election was the Greens, who won about 17% of the vote uh, and then only got three seats out of an 87-seat legislature. That's the problem of disproportionality. And what it means is that get, to get somebody elected from a, a small political party takes many, many, many more votes than it does to get somebody elected from one of the large political parties. That troubles me, and I, I think that's why we're also, as part of this legislative package, lowering the threshold from four seats to two seats to establish a, a, an official party. I mean, it's crazy to me that we would have 17% of the vote go to a party that doesn't automatically get official party status. If you had a more proportional system, then um, every vote would have roughly the same uh, weight in terms of uh, the influence that it has on the overall uh, um, the, the structure of, of the legislature. And people worry that if you go that way, you invite more smaller parties like the Greens to have influence. That doesn't particularly trouble me because, in my view, what it does is it compels people in the legislature to actually work together more cooperatively. So I would actually favor any proportional system over the status quo. Which of the proportional systems? I actually, you know, I mean, I think there are pros and cons. To, to all of them. But uh, I, the critical thing to me is just to have a more fair system rather than the current um, first-past-the-post system. All right. Uh, Max Cameron, we'll have to leave it there. I know we will be talking about this uh, more as we get a more clear idea of what the question is and what we'll be dealing with. But thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thanks. Glad to be with you. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.